Thanks be to God for his word. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. 
Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks, Mary, for reading that to us. It's good to be here again and see the congregation from this side. That has been a while. But let's, uh, let's pray that we may proclaim the word as we should. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together this morning. And Lord, thank you that we are now up to um, the explanation and uh, proclamation of your word and the gospel. And Lord, pray that, that we would hear what we need to hear, that we can relate to it, and that we are uh, encouraged by it and challenged by it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just read a Bible chapter containing three parables. And let me try to explain with a few words what a parable is. It is not just an illustration. It's a little story with a message. Thanks, Chris. But the message in a, in a parable is kind of hidden a bit. Its meaning is not immediately obvious. You often have to dig for it. So certain people, when they hear a parable, they just dismiss it. It's too hard to understand for me, and I can't care anyway. But others' curiosity is piqued. What does that mean? Could it have something to do with me? And that's exactly the effect that Jesus is after with his parables. He seeks the seekers. Now let me quickly put these three parables we just read in context. They form Jesus' response to the criticism of the teachers of the law. They muttered about Jesus. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, before we dismiss this criticism as unfair pickiness, we have to realize that they had a point here. They were teachers of the law, and they remembered the warning of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But has delight is in the law of the Lord. So there's definitely a warning there. If you work with pitch, you'll become defiled with it. You'll all know that. You know, if you ever put your hand to some paintwork. But little did these teachers understand that Jesus' heart 
was so full and was so pure and filled with love that he could not be defiled by socializing even with prostitutes. See, for a Pharisee, the picture is clear. It's once a sinner, always a sinner. There's no way back for a sinner. If you've lost it, you're lost forever. But Jesus shows with his parables that there is hope for sinners. Restoration and reconciliation with God is possible for every sinner who repents. Resulting in an abundance of joy on earth and even in heaven. Every time someone who was lost is found again. Now that's the connecting theme of the three parables in this chapter. The joy in finding what was lost. Now the final parable, the one that we know as the parable of the lost son, however has a much broader meaning. Now the challenge to each of us is to find ourselves somewhere in this picture. The title for today's message is, Who is Lost Here? Verse 11 sets the theme for the third parable. Jesus continued, there was a father who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now just try to imagine what happens here. This is an outrageous demand. A son asks his father, give me my share of the estate. He might just as well have said, I wish you were already dead, but since you are so slow in dying, my patience has run out. Give me my inheritance now. And the people who heard it would have reacted, what? This is unheard of. This guy should be punished for coming up with this. But it even gets more outrageous. The father just complies. He divides his property between his two sons, put half of his property for sale and pays his son out. You know what's the most tragic part here? The older son can't care. Not one word of protest against his brother. He does not support his father nor rebuke his brother, but he just goes along with it. I've got my bit then. I'm fine. Off you go, brother. Good riddance. What a tragedy for this father. He is so keen to have a relationship with both his sons. He wants them to be together, to do life together. He loves both his sons. But he realizes too, a response to his love cannot be forced. It has to come out of themselves. Love must be a free choice. And that is why he let things take their course. The father's sadness and hurt about his sons must have been enormous. Anyway, the younger son takes his bag of gold and goes traveling. Enjoy the world. And in no time, 
he squanders the life savings of his family in wild living. The best hotels and abundant parties. He pays, no problem. But as to be expected, the money runs out soon. A famine in the land makes it all the worse and our young adventurer is left without any resources. And he ends up looking after pigs. Now fancy that. A Jew tending pigs, the most unclean animals they could think of. But even the pig food can't fill his stomach. He realizes he is starving, he is perishing. And that brings him somehow to his senses. What am I doing here while my father's workmen have food to spare? He designs a plan. Now we have to understand, this is not remorse for his sin. Not yet, at least. Though it's certainly a turning point, there is, so to speak, no joy in heaven yet for a sinner who repents. Because we can read his pride is still intact. He's saying, I have a food problem right now. How to solve that? Well, what if I hire myself out to my father as a workman? He is always short of laborers. See, this has nothing to do with love for his father. Or a desire to restore the relationship. He seeks no grace. He wants a deal. I'll work for my money. And after work, I find myself a place to live somewhere. Do you hear how his pride is not broken? See, pride is such a thing that always gets in the way of restoring relationships or of finding God. We hate eating humble pie. We hate to be dependent on grace. What the young man knows the right words to say. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Is that repentance? No way. He admits he was wrong. But he'll make up for it. I'll work for my sustenance. But as the story goes, he doesn't even get a chance to produce his carefully prepared speech. The welcome he receives totally bowls him over. The father, full of compassion for his son, lifts his garments and makes a run for his son. And I think we can hardly imagine how unusual this public show of affection is. A gentleman, the owner of a big farm with lots of workers, doesn't run in public. That's below his dignity. But this father doesn't care. My son! And the returning son is totally overwhelmed by the reaction of his father. He had expected a cool reception. What do you have to say for yourself, young man? He was prepared for that. But he was not prepared for this reception. His father hugs him and kisses him in full view of the village. And it's only then that a young man realizes what he has done to his father. 
his father doesn't want a hired man. He wants his son back. And it's this totally unexpected reception by the father that finally breaks the son's pride. Now that he is embraced with love and grace, he realizes what he has done. And he breaks down and accepts accepts this graciousness. He understands only now that for his father, the issue was not the wasted money. It's all about a broken relationship. And an offer to work for his father now would only be an insult. So his father announces straight away, it's party time with my son as the guest of honor. Dress him up with a festive robe and give him my ring to show that he is restored to his former position of authority as the son of the boss. Let the whole neighborhood join in as well. Yeah? A fetid calf, calf can feed a hundred guests. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He, is lo- he was lost and he is found. Friends, I hardly have to explain what a wonderful picture we have here of God who welcomes repentant sinners. Like the father in the parable, God goes out of his way to welcome us back when we have strayed from him. When we move away from him, he doesn't force us. He just lets us go. But he waits with eagerness on our return and he never gives up hope. And it's this unconditional love and acceptance that will bring us to the point of repentance. Oh, how wonderful to return into the arms of a loving God. And isn't it typical for a Christian to experience the greatest sense of joy when he hears about a sinner who has repented? A man or a woman who was born again and has entered the Father's house with joy. Because there's this whole chapter all about. Yeah? And about the joy of finding what was lost. And that should be, and that will be, our joy every time when someone is converted. Now, wouldn't it have been wonderful if the story finished something like when the older son came home and heard that his brother had returned, he joined in the music and the dancing and both sons were reconciled to their father. But that's not a happy ending Jesus creates in this story. When the older son hears what's going on, he's furious. He can't rejoice with his father. The joy about the return of his brother brings out a resentment in his heart. He's jealous of his brother. And he might have been for years. So he refuses to be part of the festivities. But again, we see the father leave his house to seek a son. And he pleads with him to come and join. 
but this son. He doesn't even call him father. The youngest one came home and said, Father, I have sinned. This one only has to say, look, all years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. What an incredibly hurtful thing to say to this father. Is that how you have experienced us working together on the farm? The older son has no clue how his father felt about the younger son who left. At the time, he didn't understand the hurt. So now he doesn't understand the joy either. Neither does he have a clue how his father feels about him. My son, I love you. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. And isn't that the most precious thing we can have? Living in community with people whom we love. But the father seems to plead in vain. See, if this son thinks of a party, he would invite some friends. And this father shouldn't be there when he is partying. He would love to do what his brother did. He assumes straight away that his brother spent his money on prostitutes. Which the parable doesn't say at all. That's his assumption. That that shows where his thoughts are going when he thinks of a party. If he only had the guts to leave home like his younger brother. That's the parable of the lost son. But let's face it, who, who is really lost here? Is it the one who first left, but then returned to the father? He felt not worthy to be called son anymore, but he still addresses his father as father. It's the relationship that matters. And that is what the father makes clear with his actions. It has nothing to do with your worthiness, but with the father who calls you his child. That is what salvation is all about. And the heart of the younger son responds to that and lets himself embrace by the love of his father. But the older son, the obedient one who stayed at home and who was most likely respected by all who knew him, he understood nothing of the heart of the father. So who is really lost here? I fear that the older son is further from home than his brother. The younger one was the honest sinner. But the older one is the hypocritical saint. And as I mentioned in the beginning, the challenge for us is to find out where we are. Do you recognize yourself in the prodigal son wasting your father's resources in a life where only your own pleasure counts? Running away from God the Father who has expressed his love for you so many times. Do you still seek your pleasure elsewhere? Or are you perhaps the stay-at-home type son who lives so close to the Father 
but has not a clue what a father longs for. See, it's such a danger to go through all the motions as a Christian while your heart is not in it. You yourself wouldn't think of leaving the church and give yourself over to enjoy all that God has forbidden. But in your heart, you might be jealous of the people who have the guts to do so. It might be that a relationship with God is not something that excites you. Though you wouldn't think of setting a foot wrong. That is the mentality of the older son. And I fear he is further away from the heart of the father than his younger brother. Whom he calls contemptuously the son of yours. Now do you remember the criminal on the cross to whom Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise. Have you ever thought, oh, this guy got it easy. He did all his life what he liked. And he still made it into heaven. See, that would be the mentality of the older son. And it shows the envy in your heart and your own slave mentality, if you think so. Instead, about that man, you should be thinking, how wonderful he found God at the very last moment. But how sad that he missed out all his life on the relationship with God. And so this parable about the two sons, the two lost sons, teaches us a lot about ourselves. We may be able to identify with the younger son who after a wildlife returns to the father. Or we may rather recognize ourselves in the older son who for the eyes of the people does nothing wrong but whose heart has grown cold to the father. This son neither understands the hurt nor the joy of his father. So he misses out on the celebration. But to finish off this morning, we are confronted with a final challenge. And that is about the father. The father who was dropped twice. A couple of months ago, I read an inspiring book by the Dutch author Henry Nouwen. And Henry was a Catholic priest. And he wrote down his reflections on the famous Rembrandt painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Now, after in that book, after the author had his say about the two sons, more or less along the lines I today explain to you, he continues to focus on the father. And not only as someone to look up to and to praise for his love and his patience and his mercy and his joy, but as someone that we are called to identify with. The last words of the father in the parable are, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. See, the relationship with the younger son is restored and he longs for restoring the relationship with the older son as well. Whether this ever happens, the parable doesn't tell. The question keeps hanging in the air 
to challenge us to self-reflection what a parable is all about. But there is still a bit more to this parable. Jesus has shown to those who criticize his socializing with sinners that their image of God is a totally wrong one. Unlike to what you think, he says, God the Father is the one who receives sinners and rejoices when a sinner repents. Now, Jesus is in the world to represent his Father. I do nothing of my own, he says. I do only, I do only what I see my Father doing. And that is reaching out to lost people in the hope of restoring a relationship with them. That is what God is all about. And that, friends, is also our calling. We are to imitate Jesus, who is imitating his Father. So in a way, we have to become like this Father. Jesus says, be merciful like my Father is merciful. Forgive each other as God has forgiven you. That's Paul. Reach out to people like God did with you. Repent from a judgmental attitude towards other people. Be unconditional in your love. Respond to others in an unexpected way. And you might open their eyes for God's grace that was extended to you. See, it's only when you have understood God's grace towards you that you are able to be gracious to people who don't deserve your grace and love. It's only when you understand God's pain about this lost world that you can rejoice with him about every conversion. So don't stay a child any longer but rather become a father for other people. Reflect God's love in such a way that people may be drawn to him. It's New Year's Eve today. I'm not in the habit of making New Year's uh, resolutions that I can't keep. But this is one that I long to keep by God's grace. I like to be growing in the image of my Father in heaven so that when people see me, They get a glimpse of whom he is. I have a long long way to go, I fear. But it's the direction that counts. And let's all walk in the same direction next year. Let's rejoice with the angels in heaven. And give glory to God for his magnificent grace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, continue to work in us with your Holy Spirit that we understand what we hear, that we apply it to ourselves, that we repent from whatever sin there is in our life, and that we may become more and more like you in terms of love and grace and mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.